0: So in John chapter 6, we we finish chapter 5 where Jesus has uh, this this discourse talking about these witnesses that, that speak of him and yet they are not believing uh, in him. And then he goes up into the northern region to, uh, by the Sea of Galilee and people are following him and Jesus poses the question to his disciples, where shall we buy bread? And we see that there's not enough money or enough resources to uh, supply such a high demand. So Jesus shows compassion and feeds uh, 5,000 men there with five loaves and two fish. In verses 15 through 21, Jesus goes to a secluded place because they're wanting to make him a king as a result of this. Uh, his disciples are, go on the boat to go to the other side. And because, and we see the uh, storm rising and Jesus uh, meets them out on the water. And whenever uh, they see him, they are afraid. He says, it's not, uh, it, it is I, do not be afraid. And in verse 21, then they willingly received him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. And I encouraged us to sort of see that as sort of the focal or central point of of this chapter we're going to see these disciples these followers of of jesus uh at the very end of the chapter and sort of see how uh them as a primary character through this so uh We have about 50 verses to get through this morning, and my goal is to just go ahead and read through, and then we're going to get what we can out of it uh, this morning. So, uh, John chapter 6, starting in verse 22. On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that uh, there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people... When the people, therefore, saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came into Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe all that the father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but, the, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which comes down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets... And they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the bread and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he taught in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, his uh, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the son of man ascend where he was before? It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew that uh, from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we've come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him being one of the twelve. A lot to unpack and so we're going to try and just break it down Uh, quickly the first couple of verses we see that they realize that Jesus isn't there anymore Uh, but they saw their uh, his disciples go off in the boat and so they go in the direction where they were and they find him and in verse 25 uh, they they come to him and they say rabbi when did you come here they they're puzzled as to uh how he how uh he got there or when he got there and in verse 26 and following we see this interaction uh between uh Jesus and these Jews it doesn't seem like he even answers their question as to when did he uh, come there what stands out to you in the in this back and forth say uh Verses twenty-six through
1: through thirty-nine or forty. Yeah, Nancy. it seems, I mean, it seems that they are coming to him for the right reasons. They like they have um, the right words. So, like in uh, thirty-one, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. as it was written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. So. If that's pulled from Psalm, I don't remember which Psalm it was, but pulled from Psalm. If you go back and read that Psalm, it is speaking of God. Jesus' response to that is, it wasn't Jesus that it was God. And that just struck me as he immediately went somewhere that it doesn't seem like they're at. But you keep reading, and it's like, oh no, that's that's where they were at. Um, so I, I thought that was
0: interesting. You can see that Jesus really knows their hearts throughout this entire conversation, and you can see that in his interaction with Nicodemus in chapter two, chapter three. Excuse me, uh, the woman at the well. We see that he knows how to guide her along the way, and here he knows their hearts and wants them to understand. Where they are. And they end up, at the end of this, not following him. Very very good. Um, They they come and ask, why, uh, why is he here? Or when did he come here? In verse 26, he says, really, you're seeking me not because you saw the signs, but because... You ate of the bread and were filled. You, you aren't really seeing what you're supposed to be seeing. You're just here for the food. They, they come to the conclusion, this is the one come from God, and they want to make him a king. Why do they want to make him a king? Free lunch. Free lunch. It, it sort of reminds me of another time in... Uh, in Israel's history, where they wanted a king, they asked for a king, oh, so that we can be like the rest of the nations, so that we can have somebody who will fight our battles for us, and they're thinking really about themselves in, in that, and so they they see uh, an opportunity to get something out of this man, this this man from God, uh, instead of. Really loving him and wanting to follow him for who he truly is. That's not true discipleship. That's not true love uh, that, they, that they are exhibiting. Uh, to, to sort of go down through some of the other points, uh, he says, Do not labor for the food which perishes, uh, but for the food that lasts to an everlasting life. Their response... They don't even focus on the claim that he's the son of man, but they say, hey, what do we need to do so that we can work the works of God? What what do we have to do so that we can get the good stuff? Okay. And he says, there's only one thing that you must do. This work is to believe in him whom he sent. And we've seen what believing in the one sent from God looks like throughout the book so far. In chapter one, we saw that him that the disciples follow him wherever he goes chapter two with the with the turning water into wine mother mary said whatever he tells you to do do it that's true belief it it looks like uh, being born again being born from above as we saw uh, in chapter three it's Going and sinning no more, as we saw in the in chapter five. It's not fearing, as we saw earlier in chapter six. So, they need to believe, but they aren't believing. Uh, Mitch already pointed out, what sign will you perform so that we will see and believe? Uh, and they make reference to this this uh, work. That happened in the wilderness wanderings. And it stood out to me in my uh, recent reading. If you look at the verb tenses. uh, Your translation may render it a little bit differently. Uh, But in verse 32. Most assuredly I say to you. Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. But my father gives. Present tense. Gives you the true bread from heaven. It's not a matter of. Attributing the bread to Moses versus God, but it's really comparing, I am the true bread. It, you're missing the point entirely uh, uh, with, with manna.
2: Yes. I was really perplexed by whole response. They were asking for a sign that was like, you know, God planted the Red Sea for our fathers or. God caused all those plagues against Egypt, God did this thing. But when they ask about manna, the very thing that they received was miraculous food, and they're all aware that it was miraculous food. Why are they then asking for a sign of miraculous food? I, just, I don't understand this at all, because it just it seems like the very thing that they should be asking for a different sign, they should ask for a different sign than miraculous food. Perhaps that's
0: the only thing that's on their mind. Oh, uh, what? To what Chris pointed out it seems like you know what? We, as long as we follow him, we're not going to be hungry anymore. And the, so the, the, the problem with bringing that
2: up also is that the, their fathers complained about that Marcus <laughs> and so they're like, "Oh, we loathe this bread." So they they complained before the bread. Go, oh, we this bread.
0: <laughs> exactly. They they they. They grumbled and complained before the bread, and they grumbled and complained during and after the bread. And it's that they you couldn't please them. Yes, Brett?
3: Yeah, and lest we be too harsh on dinner, How? what percentage of our prayers are for ourselves? Our physical health and uh, our travels and...
0: We ask, what must we do so that we work the works of God? What what do we need to do to get the stuff from Jesus? That's not what true discipleship is. That's not true love. And so uh, I I would challenge us whenever we are reading this to, to refer to the humans. The people, not just those Jews 2000 years ago, because we can find ourselves in this, this mindset. And we're going to see that Jesus, because of who he is, is going to become unpopular real fast. He's going to uh, say things that are unappetizing to to them and that they're no longer going to hunger for that. Yeah, Chris.
4: So these were the same people in the previous section that were trying to take him to make him a king. and they followed him all the way across the sea, found him again. So that, you know we already got that mindset. This is what they're wanting, and then so they're after the wrong thing. I think it's very clear they're coming for the food, and I think this thing referring back to the manna is their suggestion. It's like, hey, what work do you do? We got an idea. You remember back a long time ago this happened, and that was a big sign. So can you do that? Can you provide daily bread every day? Well, you know, perfect. That'd be a great sign. And one other point I just find really interesting when he said they went to the other side. There were other boats. Verse 23. Other boats came from near the place where they had eaten the bread. And then he adds that phrase, after the Lord had given thanks. I, I often wonder why that phrase you know, if you're telling the story, it's back over there where we ate the bread after Jesus had given thanks.
0: Yeah, <laughs> isn't that interesting? I I don't necessarily think the giving of thanks would, allowed it to be a miracle, but but if you think about it, Jesus gave thanks. They don't hunt him down to thank him. Mm-hmm. They don't. They. they, they, they uh, they uh, hunt him down for the bread, just fo- following the breadcrumbs as it were. Beth? Jesus
5: provided provision and he was thankful. They received
0: provision, but they were not thankful. Yeah, that, I mean, that. Yeah, they, they they were not thankful. They did not have a heart of of seeing Jesus for who he is. And it's and he is not for us. He does not exist for our satisfaction in, in our selfish mindset. He he does satisfy us. And that, that's that's the great, that's the crazy thing about it, is that he does satisfy us, but why do we love him? Why do we love our spouses? Why do our children love us? Is it out of what we get out of it, or is it out of who we are?
2: How many times do you hear a day like, well, where is a sign that these things are true, right? It's like, Jesus, where's a sign that you use
4: for a right? And John kind of answers that for us, and you know, with the kind of mission statement of the book.
2: Like, these things are written so that you may be believe, so I kind of answer it in
0: Yeah, just following the purpose of Jesus is saying these things and Jesus is doing these things for us to believe in him. He is the ultimate source, the only source of eternal life. Are we seeking eternal life or are we seeking him? Just just thinking about uh, the the motivation behind that. Uh, What it is... When when we boiled, boiled all down, verse 35, Jesus says, I am this bread. If you come to me, you're never going to hunger again. Um, and yet, if we, if we want more than Jesus, if we want Jesus plus something else, then really we haven't truly taken Jesus into us and let him transform us. And so, uh, As inconceivable as it is, Jesus can't live up to their expectations. They have made an idol. They have this image. They have this preconceived notion of of who Jesus is and what he can do for them. And Jesus says, that's not my purpose. That's not my purpose. And it'd be very tempting for him to, to have these people following him... Wanting to make him king and say, you know what? Okay, I'll, I'll do that. But he didn't come to be accepted. He came to be rejected. And we see that here in this chapter. Other thoughts as we go through. Go through. He points out that he's not doing, uh, in verse 38, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And the one who, uh, going back up to verse 37, the one who comes to me being granted by the Father, I will by no means cast out. Uh, we're going to see in, in a couple of chapters so, uh, somebody who's cast out of the synagogue, uh, cast out of the temple. To uh, But Jesus is going to receive these people whom God is giving to him, but these aren't the people. These aren't the ones. What else? What do you make of their reaction after he is saying these things, or after he tries to elaborate? It seems as though Jesus isn't simplifying things. And he is in fact, doubling down and tripling down and and hitting this point hard so that they recognize the hardness of their hearts and I think that's a that's a lesson uh for us. Jesus doesn't necessarily say, "You know what this is a bad metaphor. you guys aren't getting it. Let me try and change it up so that uh, it can be easier to swallow uh." He, he he makes it as it truly is and, and we should not hunger for something that's simplified we should hunger for something for the real for the real thing Ra gentleman.
3: Where Jesus came from, right? They didn't like what he said, so they said, wait a minute, Uh, this is not Jesus, the son of Joseph, we know his parents, how can he say he came down from heaven? Um, And they didn't start thinking about that until they didn't like what he he said.
0: Yeah, Yeah, verse uh, verse 41, 42, they start complaining and they say really to one another, who is this Jesus? We're going to see something similar uh, in verse 52. They start quarreling among themselves. They stop really talking to Jesus. They really start just talking amongst themselves. Whenever we uh, hear something that we don't like, do we take it to Jesus do we do we listen to Jesus? Do we pray to Jesus, or do we d- do we just find a reason to uh, pick and choose our the the way in which we follow? Yes,
6: I don't think we should be too hard on them because mm-hmm. I mean I don't see all of this rebellion and it's it's like that would be hard stuff to to for somebody to stand there in front of you and say I'm from heaven. So he's trying to change an entire society's mindset mm-hmm. and to get them to see him. And we're saying, you're saying we still don't do We still don't see him for <coughs> who he really is. And so if, if after 2,000 years we still don't get it, we need to, and I think a lot of his struggles is for the apostles. He's trying to bring them around to see who he is, who his powers are, and what their responsibility is going to be once he leaves. It's to change all of these physical thoughts and minds into a spiritual thought and mindset. Because he's saying, that comes from hell you know that that's very spiritual. And so we can we can get into this just as much as they do, because we are physical, and we don't understand the Spirit all the time, and how it moves and works within us.
0: Very good, just the, just the thought of, we too will struggle with this, and, and may be tempted to want it simplified, but we need to really chew on it, we need to really crave it. Beth, and then... Yeah. And it's not just them, as you were saying. It's
6: not just them. It's mm-hmm. us as well. it,
0: having a humility of heart to receive instruction. Mm-hmm. And sometimes instruction is not going to be easy for us. And that requires even more humility. <laughs> yeah, don't even... yeah,
2: there may be some harshness in the statement, but the problem with people compared to his true disciples is the fact that even with this heart saying, the, the true disciples step. And they keep wrestling. And they keep struggling with it. These people don't. They leave. Isn't that the difference though, for us today? That those of us who we stay, right? We don't understand at all. We don't understand how the spirit works sometimes. We don't always know what God is doing. We don't always understand scripture. But man, we keep wrestling with it. we don't just give up. We don't just want to go home. Uh, isn't that the problem with the, with the children of Israel leaving Egypt? They didn't want to struggle with God in They didn't want to leave. They wanted to come back. They wanted to come back to the elites and all the their comfort in Egypt. But there wasn't no comfort there. There was slavery. And we see he's the one that has life. He's the one who has freedom. And that, that's the difference. And that's why there is some harshness with these people. Because it, it's a defining line between the real followers, the real believers... Are the ones who, no matter what the difficult passage is, just like the woman at the well, no matter how hard that study was uh, to, to hear, or even the the uh, Syrophoenician woman, uh, that was real hard. But that's not enough to dissuade her, and that's the test for you and for all of us today, is that when you come up against hard sayings and you just go, Well, I don't understand it, therefore I have to cast off everything that I believe. But you just have to be heedless of in it. Oh, so I have
0: to and it back to yeah. yeah, the 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 difficulty of hearing this uh, turns a lot of people away, and and we have to stick through it and recognize who the source is. Um, and recognize that for our children and teach them that, you know what, things are going to get hard, and we want them to to grow in their understanding and their appreciation and their love and their hunger.
5: And
2: if you don't believe, I don't believe just based upon perfect faith and understanding. That it's above and beyond, beyond that. In fact, the quote from I really appreciated my hosanna is born out of a, uh, a fire
0: around. But there's a lot of things that people didn't understand. There you go. Alright. Um, other things as we continue through verses 41 and following. Uh, we've already addressed this complaint. They start to discredit or at least not, not put all the pieces together. They're like, come down from heaven? But we know his parents. Uh, and uh, Jesus continues to say, do not murmur among yourselves, and he he starts uh, distinguishing everyone. Not everyone can come to him, but really the ones who the Father uh, draws to him. Um, and he references in Scripture in verse 45, and they shall all be taught by God. The ones who truly are drawn to Jesus are the ones who are taught by God. And we need to, we need to evaluate what that sort of looks like. What that looks like Because they all were exposed to God. They were all exposed to God's greatness, his character, his power, but not all learned from him. And... and Same is for us. We can come and sit in the pew. We can go through the worship and yet not be taught by God. It's a warning for us that we have to, we need to evaluate our discipleship. Uh, Do we fall into that category or not? Um, And so we see in verse uh, 49. Uh, some of the things we've already brought up. Uh, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and complained. Uh, they continue to grumble. They continue to question very similar parallels. A lot of the wilderness wanderings and their interactions there. And we see The Hebrew writer in chapter three talking about all the things that were going on during this wilderness wandering and how they complained and how they didn't get. They didn't understand it. They didn't get it. And what happened to them? They weren't allowed to enter because of their unbelief. And that's what's happening again here. That they are they are being provided for. But because they don't see Jesus for who he is they they do not believe and so he 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 presses down on the gas in all of this uh i am the living bread which came down from heaven in verse 51 if anyone eats this bread he will live forever and the bread which i shall give is my flesh which i shall give for the life of the world, and they don't focus on the life of the world being made available to them. They just focus on, whoa, how is this possible? We, and they, they struggle to, to do that. It's a very provocative, scandalous kind of thing to say, but it's a thing that needed to be said, and so, uh, they are not taking Christ in to them. They are not letting Christ live in them. And we see that throughout this. That that's the point that He's making. You're not. You're not listening to me. You're not taking me in. Yes, no, yeah, yeah.
6: Up there, in my version it says your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> He's saying, I'm giving you. So He's trying to change their mindset. Saying, "Yeah, you're so proud of your fathers back then. Well, they died, but I'm giving you something that will help you to live forever if you will just tap into this. I am the bread of life. I am what's going to give you life."
0: Very good. Yeah. Other thoughts. Hmm. I think. I think they get. Um, hung up on this, 52, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? He doubles down again even more. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Uh, He's saying you have to do this. And he's, he's not necessarily elaborating on what this all looks like, but he's saying it's, It's important. It's sort of similar to chapter 3 talking about being born again. He doesn't go into detail as to what that looks like, but he says you have to do that in order to enter uh, into the kingdom.
2: It's interesting. This is a direct conflict with the law of Moses. Mm -hmm. If if you take literally, right? Eating human flesh and drinking blood, a direct conflict with. I'm get- that's, that's, that's why I think that it's interesting that he's using this term to get into trying to think
5: out. his
0: I want to pick up on one word that you said. And, and just something for us to reflect on and maybe challenge ourselves on. And, I, and I'm as I'm wrestling with this. Is Jesus speaking literally? Boy.
2: No, just as with Nicodemus, when he was trying to explain it, you know, he was
1: trying to take the things spiritually. And
2: he's a higher than, well, the earthen. He's not speaking of earthly things, but eternal
0: life. I, I would say that, in in a sense, that he is speaking in earthly terms. And by earthly standards, it's not literal. But he says that that his body his flesh is true food that his blood is true drink he is the substance he is the truth he is real and whenever we think of oh he's talking in metaphor he's talking in figurative language or that really he's speaking truth and he's not hiding it perhaps uh Maybe we question what, what we mean by literal. We do need to feast on him. Right? Yeah, tr- truly, really. He is our... He, he, if the things of this life are a shadow... So from a sh- the shadow is not the real thing. The shadow is not the literal thing. Now, whenever we think in earthly terms, it is literal and it's hard for us to con- to, uh, to understand because it is in direct uh, contrast with what we see in uh, Leviticus 17 and all those kinds of things. But he is true food and true drink. Rolling in and back. He's telling me, unless I'm your spiritual
2: nourishment, there's nowhere you can go and get eternal life with me.
0: Okay, yeah, the the spirit, source of spiritual nourishment. Okay. Yeah, I think, in my mind, you know, we, we misuse the word literal so
3: much that uh, it's almost lost to me anyway. Uh, when he says that um, he is food, Jesus, we, we're not eating Jesus that is a figure of speech that you would say you find nourishment in um not physically but spiritually. So um yeah I think I see what you're saying that we do we do gain our spiritual nourishment from him. But even the word nourishment is a a, a physical term. And so we have to pluck that physical term and use it figuratively to describe how we um get spiritual energy, how we get, how we are renewed in, in, the, in our spirit. So, um, yeah, I think he is using um, figures of speech here about food to teach them about what their relationship to should be.
0: Yeah, using shadow language to talk about the real thing as it were. Very good. Yeah, right
2: I'm always wondering if we are the only. Some level to divide the two is to cause a huge problem for ourselves both
1: spiritually and physically. And I don't know if that is a modern issue or if that has always been the issue. Um, but it's always come up since I've everybody's asked that same question, and it just seems like they like what I'm saying. It just seems like you are wrong
0: the way to And it seems to cause issues for them in this chapter. And Jesus speaks plainly in that. John.
2: to abstract out the truth from that abstraction down to be more helpful and graphical than just trying to pigeonhole
4: it into, well, they're not physically eating the body, so that it's not right. It's like you're you're limiting the application
0: And we talked in our last class about trying to fit Jesus in a box. And trying to uh, whatever we we must have separate boxes between uh, physical and spiritual, and and trying to mold it into the right way. That's yes, wrong. Spoke with purpose and he knew exactly what to say. Was his goal to convert all of those people? I would say probably not. But but to speak to, to speak truth unashamedly. Mitch.
1: There is a sense in which this is true physically. Um, when Jesus was at the well talking to the woman, the apostles had left to go get food for him. And he sat down because he was weary. And when they came back, they said, here's food, eat. And he said, I've got food that you don't know about. I'm good. So there is a sense in which this is literal.
0: That's a good point. Just, just seeing uh, that transition back uh, in that chapter of being wearied to being sustained and fulfilled. Yes,
2: I think sometimes we sell them short, uh, too, because we'll read later on in the chapter when he asked them, You all want to leave too? And what's our answer? How can we have words of eternal life? So uh, we all learn the same way. Uh, We're being taught the very words that Jesus used on his disciples. Uh, And uh, he he, he, he stated hard, difficult statements, and it was to sort and sift and, and test and examine the hearts mm-hmm. and to make people and, and turn their eyes inward. Yeah, I, I love what he said just before this chapter about the will of the Father is, the will of the Father is... And he was talking
0: about Absolutely, just allowing allowing this to sift or use it as a purifying furnace, as it were, to sort of see what what they were there for. What we are, what are we here for? And, and we need to uh, look at that, Tony, Mike, and then we'll start finishing up.
2: Not just the fact that it begin, almost begins here, not that this is his first 15, but it begins with this and his first. 15 major shifting the people, of his disciples, to where his last day that he is uh, reaffirming these very same statements that they were having a hard time understanding culmination of that in the, the supper that, uh, that they eat together the Passover, those very same statements he's making there. <clears throat> and the hardness that over, somehow, over this transparerization of time, that they didn't begin to understand
0: what it was that he was about. Yeah, very good. Bring that connection with the Passover, very good. Mike.
2: Yeah, basically I was going to say the exact same thing. That he, he, he comes full circle with them, with with the disciples there, right? Kind of goes back to what Ryan was saying. In their minds they're seeing the separation of spiritual and literal, I think, and then at the, at the Passover supper when he says this is my body, this is my blood, eat and drink. He brings it back and he ties the, the Two together, and showing that there maybe really isn't the separation
0: that you think that there is. Yeah, there there is some debate as to what kind of connection is there with what we what we have is the Lord's Supper. Uh, Maybe for another time to get into some of that. But as we see him finishing up, he's really saying. It's not your fault because God hasn't drawn you to me yet. You haven't really heard me and believed in me for who I am. And one of the saddest statements we see in verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They had followed the sign, but they misunderstood the sign... And they didn't realize that they didn't want the cost of what it took to follow that sign. And so they turned around and went went a different path. And as, as they are doing this, Jesus turns to his select group of followers, the, these 12, and he says, Do you also want to go away? And it's not worded the exact same way as it was previous, but... I see a connection between Simon Peter's statement in verse 66 with Jesus's first question at the beginning of the chapter. Jesus asked, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Where where are we going to get stuff for these people? And And Simon Peter's question is, Lord, to whom shall we go? There's nowhere but you. And he says, you have the words of life, that concept of life, that word life is used like 14 or 15 times in this chapter alone, that he is the source of life. He has the words of life. He has the spirit as we see. Um, And... We have also come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Again, God is living and Jesus is the source of life. Uh, I don't necessarily know if he would have come to this conclusion had they not had the experience on the water. That they were missing the point. Philip and Andrew missed the point at the beginning of the chapter. And then they... They have a misunderstanding of of who Jesus is. When he's out on the water, they're afraid. But whenever they recognize who he truly is and that he is coming to be with them, that they ought not be afraid, they willingly receive him. In contrast, as some people have already pointed out, the rest of these Jews, they have a misunderstanding of who Jesus is. And when Jesus tries to explain, they are turned away. You can see a contrast in them receiving him into the boat and them walking with him no more.
2: Yeah, this is the fulfillment of what I said in verse 9 that the word is to believe in him whom God sends. And this is the very thing that
0: they are doing now. Very good. That they are uh, believing in whom you. He- Him whom the Father had sent. And yet in verses 70 and 71. Did I not choose you the twelve? And yet one of them is a devil. We're going to see that eventually. Even though Jesus is the bread of life. Judas Iscariot is going to hunger for something else. And whenever he hungers for something else. uh, He is going to turn away and betray. So thank you all for your comments. I appreciate our discussion.